Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to a reload of the What's Next podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I always like to bring those ones back that had a huge impact, not only on myself, but I got a lot of feedback from listeners just like you. I hope you enjoy this week's reload of the What's Next podcast. Welcome to the What's Next podcast with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is a top-rated speaker, thought leader, and sales and marketing influencer known around the world as an industry visionary. Today, she's using her 20 years of sales experience to help companies focus on creating a high growth culture while adapting to the new realities of the market. She's always asking herself, what's next? Hi, I'm Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I'll be speaking with Naomi Simpson, who is the founding director of Australian online tech success story, Red Balloon and Ready. She's been blogging for a decade at naomisimpson.com, is a professional speaker, author of Live What You Love and Ready to Soar, and one of five sharks on Network 10's business reality show Shark Tank in Australia. You can also join Naomi's private online community, which brings curious, like-minded people together at joinnaomisimpson.com. And a really great friend of mine. So welcome, Naomi. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, you know, really, it is so my pleasure. Uh, I, you know, I like to start the show out with something I call bullish and bearish. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I'm going to tell you something, some hot news or a thought or a trend, and you're going to say sort of bullish, which means you really agree with it, super excited about it, or you're bearish where not so much and you think it's a lot of hype and nothing to it. So are you ready? I'm set. All right. So the first one is there has been an announcement that there is going to be a virtual reality theme park arcade like Universal Studios opening in Las Vegas this year. And since you're in the experience business, bullish or bearish? I think it'll be short term bullish, but long term bearish. So oh. I think it'll be a fad. It'll really take off for maybe one or two years, but ultimately it will pull, pull back and, and, and won't, it won't be the thing. It will be a thing. Okay. Good way to drag the bullish and bearish out. <laughs> no cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can sit on the fence on anything. That's right. All right, the next one. Uh, starting a business in your 20s. Oh, I think I'm absolutely bullish on that. I think a level of naivety is actually a great idea because you, you don't get stopped by fear and also you've got a long journey ahead of you. So I think it's a wonderful idea uh, to kind of give it a crack and see what you can create for yourself. And, you know, I'll get into the story behind this next one, but then I'm going to say bullish or bearish on starting a business at 69. I think I'm bullish on that too. I think <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I just wanted to throw that one in because, you know, I didn't want to just pick on the 20 year olds. Yeah. I, look, I think anybody at any age taking responsibility for their life, their destiny, if they have their passion and I do know a lot of people start businesses later in life when they're a little more financially secure. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, you're only as young as, or only as old as you think you are, you know, it's, it, it is in the head. And if you've got the will um, and you've got the health, then absolutely give it a crack. All right. And the last one, bullish and bearish, 
Are you bullish in starting your employment if you don't if you don't become you know sort of a startup first, right? Working for a big company or a small company? Uh, I think that's really. Um, yeah. uh, it's a personal choice and not everybody is meant for a small business journey. It, it can be extremely stressful, not just as the founder, but employees within that. And it's also where you think you're going to make it the biggest contribution. So on this one, I'm, you know, an either or, I would say that I'm, I'm bullish on uh, big businesses in terms of resources, education and insight and bullish for small business in terms of being able to see the contribution you made. Great. Well, thank you. I always like to start it out with some, you know, fun stuff, make you think a little <laughs> bit and kind of get it going. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, where I'd like to start is uh, we had the opportunity and really my personal pleasure of spending three days together a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I wanted to give my rundown, the synopsis of three days with a shark. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to share with you what I learned on my three days with you and, and have you sort of, you know, extend the, those comments that I sort of come up with along the way. So first thing I'd say and what I learned from you is you are absolutely committed. You're committed to your people and nurturing your staff. And uh, I saw that, you know, throughout the time we were together. So I'd just love for you to double click on what that means to you and, and why you think I probably picked up on that. Yeah, I am. I'm relentless when it comes to the experience that people uh, have within any of my businesses. And it's because, you know, life is short and I want people to feel a sense of accomplishment. And it doesn't mean that I am... Um, you know, I'm not running a kindergarten. I, in fact, quite the opposite. I do challenge people. I can be very direct. But it's because I often see bigger people bigger than they see themselves in that moment. And that's what it takes in a, uh, to be a true leader. So I have also identified the difference between leadership and management. And I'm actually not very good at management. Leadership I'm fine at, you know, setting the vision, aligning people to the values and really, really chasing after the game. Whereas being a manager is about nurturing the uniqueness of the individual for the cause. And I'm not so good on the nurturing part, perhaps. So it is a relentless, uh, a relentless quest for people to feel a sense of accomplishment and proud of where they work. And culture, no matter what, culture drives commercial outcomes for business. Given that I started my own businesses, the other thing is I want to work in a place that I want to work. And I remember Tony Shea saying that with his first startup, he actually ended up hated going to work. And the second one, he was determined to enjoy himself. So I don't see why I, as a leader, can't also have a great time, enjoy the people around me. It's been an interesting evolution to exactly where we are now with all of the teams. And I'm sitting here in far north Queensland about to do the kickoff for the big red group which is the group of all of the companies that I'm involved with. And one of the things I think I'm most delightful for is the values that we'll be sharing with the team over these um, next few days. The first one is simply say it, do it. That is do what you say you're going to do, just you know, get on with it. But the second one is all for one and one for all. There's nobody who is better than anybody else in our business. Everybody has a role. There's no one superior... We are just all, um, we're just all kicking in. 
And the third one is pushing for greatness. We'll never be great, but we are absolutely relentless as we push for growth, customer experience, and also to do our best work. So I'm really proud with where we've got up to, and I have seen over and over and over again that my commitment to team has delivered to me every single time. Well, you covered a bunch in there, because the second thing I was going to say is the sort of know your weakness. Uh, yeah. You know, so, you, you know. I, I like to call them non-strengths, Tiffany. Of course. Non-strengths, and, and, yeah. And I've bo- borrowed that from you. From you. <laughs> you purposed it, and, you know, I do a little asterisk next to it, but since, you know, people that are listening weren't with us, I needed you to give the clarification of weakness, which I like that yeah. one so much better. Right. So know your weakness, uh, you know, it, just for what it is. Right. And mm-hmm. and but from that, what I learned from you is then to really surround yourself with the right talent. Mm-hmm. So that leadership versus management comment you just made. But um, that was something I found really fascinating. But the third thing I think is is even more interesting. And and that is that I think people when they see, uh, you know, business people like you, especially if you're on a show like Shark Tank, right? Yeah. They're like, wow, you know, they've, they've really made it. Uh, and, and I'd say that you really walk the walk. You know, I think mm-hmm. people misinterpret your success uh, and what you do and don't do now because you are successful. I mean, to put it into context, right? In 2011, you were the national winner of the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. You know, you've won the Telstra Business Women's Award for innovation. You've run, you know, won Best Place to Work, five years running. I mean, you're no slouch when it comes to business. But you work relentlessly hard, you know, uh, especially coming to the States and you're tired and running all over the place in planes, trains, and automobiles, literally. Um, and so I'd say, you know, what, what do you think it is um, that pushes you to continue to want to learn every day? Because even though you've, you've succeeded and, and, and succeeded and excelled in your business, clearly, like with all the things I just mentioned, mm-hmm. you're still very hungry to, to always learn. And, and I think that, you know, in my three days with the shark, that would probably be the thing that the last, you know, the, the three that, that I really found fascinating. Yeah, and I think you were also really surprised that I would get the train and the airport shuttle. I think you're really surprised with that. Um, and and it, so this all kind of speaks to who I am. I, I, I am probably working as hard now, if not harder, than I have ever in my career. Uh, this week alone, Shark Tank has come back for a ther- series three on um, Australian television And in the 48 hours leading up to it, I did 30 radio interviews, four television appearances, and more than a dozen uh, press interviews. So literally they had me scheduled every 10 minutes. And I kind of, and it was absolutely mental. And I kind of looked and I said, why am I pushing so hard? And, and And even when you kind of go, my goodness, why do you get the shuttle? Why don't you just get a limo? And I said, it actually comes back to our values of one for all and all for one. So I, I don't want to be flashy. I don't. I I want to be an equal with, you know, an equal with the people who are on my teams, but also the community that I serve. You know, but for the sake of fifteen years and a few key um, decisions, I I might be pitching in Shark Tank. I might not have the um, the size businesses that I have. So I, I do not forget where I came from, and I definitely don't forget what made me great. And it was other people contributing to me. 
It was other people giving me insights, leads, networks. Um, and it, I was asking the questions and I was deeply curious. So my personal motto has always been, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And it has served me so well. I've never expected anybody to give me anything on a plate. And I'm very, very happy to keep sharing uh, and being a role model to others. Um, if I could shift this, there is such amount of stress about being in small business, particularly around getting paid. And if I could really support other small businesses on cash flow, on growth, on how they employ people, on being best employers, then maybe they're going to love what they do just a bit more. And who knows what could happen in our economies. So I do have a deep calling for contribution, a deep calling. And it is incredible. Like this week has been particularly crazy because I literally haven't been able to walk down the street more than two, two feet without somebody saying, can I have a photo with you? Can I take a selfie? And um, and people telling me that, you know, they a part of our community or like the flight attendant was so gorgeous when I was flying up here. She knelt down and gave me a, because of course I'm flying coach, um, and she gave me a nice you know, little treat and she said, I just want you to know my husband's part of your community. He has his own business and um, you've been such a wonderful support to him and many others. So you kind of just don't know the impact you're going to have. You know, and I think that that's great. I mean, I, you know, sort of you're joking about walking down the street and taking two feet and everybody knowing who you are. And then when we went to dinner and you're like, it's so strange. I, you know, I'm, I'm out to dinner and nobody knows who I am. <laughs> that was kind of great. <laughs> sort of freeing for you. Was, I know who you were and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just wanted to share with you, you know, sort of the three things I took away uh, mm. from my, you know, wonderful three days with you, which was really fantastic on many levels. Uh but, you know, as you talk about, you know, the small business and, and really thinking about all the challenges companies face, especially small businesses in growth, mm-hmm. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in a little bit on you know, the speed in which sort of the market is changing. You know, small businesses have always sort of felt like I can't compete with the big guys because I don't have... Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, right, the resources of a big company or the budget or the people, you know, in marketing dollars and sales forces and all those things. Uh, and so growth becomes fairly scrappy, right? It's yeah. getting very creative with your assets and your cash and your receivables, as you said, right, and yeah. the way you market. And so what are things that you've learned in not having the big company budget that has remained you know, sort of constant over the, you know, the 15 years and, and more importantly, you know, three and a half million, you know, customers in. Yeah, I guess the thing that's, um, it, it isn't about the budgets or the size of the budgets, it's what you do with them that makes the difference. And I had a corporate career, um, you know, I worked for IBM, I worked for Apple, I worked for an airline here in Australia, really big, famous brands. And when I left corporate life, what was challenging for me is my my knowledge, my reputation, was it only attached to those businesses because of what they'd achieved? And I first of all started as a freelancer and it was incredibly confronting being a freelance marketer because people would just pick and choose and I thought there has to be a better way of providing services to small business. 
uh, and that's why we went with the Red Balloon model, which is literally um, we're a marketing company on behalf of 2,000 small businesses and we just keep delivering them customers, of which they're very happy to pay for because there's a, there's a set and forget nature about that because we do the hard work of driving customers for them. But it can be very, very lonely. You know, the hardest thing is what happens when, well, your computer doesn't work or there's no um, expense claims. There's no, you know, it's all coming out of your pocket. So you get very, very focused about return on um, both each dollar and also the return on your time. And I think this has been one of the most powerful things that I have learned in the 15 years is that I can never buy another hour. I can buy, I, I can earn more money, but I can never earn more time. And I had to get really, really clear of how I support communities, but I cannot do it one by one. Like literally, I would have hundreds of people requesting to have a coffee with me every every week. Could I help them with their business? Well, that's not helping my business and I must stay focused on what I said I was going to do and also being uh, commercially successful. I'm no use to any anybody if my businesses aren't successful. So I need to choose every day uh, the one thing that I need to work on, that when I work on that, everything else becomes easier. So it's about thinking about your time in a strategic way rather than I managed to survive today, I managed to get through my inbox and then you back it up for the next day. And, and I'll give you the example because um, I know you're working on a book, Tiffany, is that people just kept up pitching me ideas and going, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Which is a big responsibility because if I say, oh, that sounds good, they might go and send their life savings on it and then, you know, if it doesn't work out, but Naomi said. So there's so much involved with starting a business. So I wrote the book Ready to Soar. I went away for um, 10 days, wrote 14 hours a day. I did do all the research before I went away and produced the manuscript so it's a big, big one thing, but ultimately has saved me who knows how many hours, but I've supported that community so much better by doing a really great job. And um, so it's the one thing. So, it, you know, just to take it back a bit, it's all about time, where you choose to spend your energy and your time. Uh, and people will always be prepared to steal your time. They just will. Um, and it's up to you to make sure you stay focused relentlessly on what you said you were going to do and finding other ways to support community. And so with, how do you think companies that, you know, I mean, just even in our personal lives, right, there may be a list that's 25 or 30 long. And as a small business, especially if you, you know, really are running it by yourself, you know, you are the CEO and the head of finance and HR and head of sales and head of marketing. There's, you know, lots of things to do especially as you're just ramping up, where do yeah. you look to find that, you know, how do I choose what is that one thing? Or, you know, as you said, right, you need to make sure that you're always going back to whatever that one thing is. Is it going to move me further in the thing I've decided to do? And if it isn't, is, it, is that something I choose to do later? And I only focus on those tasks that are going to get me closer to that, that growth goal. See, everyone needs time for reflection. And it, without that time to reflect, it's almost impossible to answer that question. So if you literally are being ruled by either your inbox or your, um, your mobile phone, however messages come to you, then you are not in control of your life. 
So one of the things that I have used um, as a rule is not just with me but also with my team is that they sit down and they write what they love about their role and what they loathe, what they really, really can't stand. And then you look at the loathe list and you say, well, if I was to take one or two of these things, how could I fix it forever? And I'll give you a specific example. This is way, way, way back when, and it might sound obvious, but when um, I had the first bookkeeper who was a friend come and join the business, he said, look, I'm happy to do your accounting for you, but I don't do checks. Now, this is 15 years ago. I said, what do you mean you don't do checks? And he said, well, it doesn't make any sense to keep writing checks to the same people over and over and over again. So he said, but we've got a system, the bank has got a system, surely we can just integrate them, which was really, really hard 15 years ago to do an API. Sounds obvious now, was not then. But in so doing, it took this payment situation from being, you know, people invoicing and being somebody's job full-time to pay people to being a, you know, kind of half an hour job to check everything and then pay people instantly. So... It's about what do I really loathe and what systems and processes could be put in place to allow me to scale that. Um, and sometimes you can't, but it might be also where you find the next recruit. You might say, I hate chasing debtors, hate it, but somebody else might love it. So who would that be person and what, what different strengths will they bring to the business? So the important thing on focusing on one, what's the one thing is to actually be very aware of where you're spending your time and energy take, you know, spend a week doing a timesheet of where you spent your time. It's fascinating. I've worked out that I spent 81 hours a month on my Shark Tank companies. That's a lot of time. So I needed to work out what's better systems and processes to support them in their growth rather than trying to do it all one-on-one. -on -one. It's too much time. Yeah, and as you said, you can't get it back. You know, yeah. and, and especially I'm going to pivot that a little bit to sort of the conversation around experience, because I think as you start to focus, you hone in on the things that are going to really bring the best experience, both for your customer and your employees, et cetera. Right. So I think, you know, experience is not only the business you're in. It's something you've lived, right, at Red Balloon, right, from one woman startup in your house to orders from a fax machine. Right. I'm sure there's many stories as you you know could share on that journey. Um, and you've provided, you know, over, I think, are you at four million yet? Or are you still north of three and a half? We'll be very shortly, Tiffany. Very, yeah. very shortly. Well, hopefully we'll after this podcast, you're going to hit four million. I know it. <laughs> Correct. I'm going to be like, what is this? I need to check it out. I need to do this. <laughs> so you're going to hit four million experiences. Why don't you explain for, for people on the podcast who maybe don't know what Red Balloon is, sort of what, what is the service? What is the experience? What, what is it that you quote unquote sell? Yeah, what we sell. So we're an aggregator, which means we're an agent. And back way back in the early days of the internet, I just I had been a, a marketing consultant. And I was looking around, and the hardest thing for small business is consistently marketing. And actually, it's got more and more complex over the last fifteen years. It hasn't got easier with social media. And I know many, many small businesses and business owners who are spending a fortune in both search engine marketing or social media, and they're not necessarily getting a return, and they don't know why. So I said, what's a, what's a way we could flip this? And if you think about McDonald's, they're in the business of being where hungry people are, which means they're in real estate. So I'm in the business of delivering customers to small businesses. 
But how could I do that effectively was to become the world's expert in something. What could I be the world's best at? And that is understanding the things to do market or the activities. And whether that's a jet boat ride, a massage, a cooking class, a walking tour. But this is a market that has a small, relatively small um, uh, price tag. So difficult for them to warrant large marketing budgets. Uh, and also completely, um, um, you know, they're all over the show, basically. There's a, they, they, it's very difficult to bring them together. So I gave them a brand, the Red Balloon brand. I gave them a consistent approach to the market and I market on their behalf. So without them, I don't have anything to sell. On, on the other hand, um, people uh, are always looking for things to do. They, you know, the economy might not be going that well. They might not be able to afford a holiday, but they might lash out and say, well, let's go and have a special dinner on the harbour or let's go and climb um, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Or uh, So we set about um, attracting nearly 2,000 small businesses of which we market on their behalf. But it's so delightful to see the impact of being able to provide their content to massive consumer audiences. And uh, when you hear of, you know, the person who um, proposes marriage to their loved one on a red balloon experience or the guy who was took his 84-year-old father on a DC-3 flight and said his father was excited like a little boy going to a birthday party. And our job is just to make that really, really easy to connect the small business directly into um, a consumer and a customer who is ticking things off their bucket list and hanging out with the people they love. So it's a it's a very simple business model, but very hard to copy. Well, just pointing yeah. out, just yeah. in case. <laughs> just in case you were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's difficult to, you know, not to go down that path is you know, as more companies say, I'm going to compete on the mm. experience I provide my customers. So, you know, my product may be, like you said, I may be a hot air balloon company like the other four that are, you know, in Sydney or, or yeah. in, you know, Arizona or, you know, wherever you are in the world. Um, but I'm going to do something that they can't match, which is the experience they have when they come and, and send somebody, a loved one, on a hot air balloon ride with my company. So the experience they have with signing up, with, you know, getting, um, you know, trained before they go up in the hot air balloon, my staff, how clean the place is, you know, how pretty the balloons, whatever it is, right? Where you're more and more the experience is the product and the product is just the vehicle in which you get that experience. So whether it's yeah. the DC3 ride, right, or the hot air balloon or going up on the Sydney Bridge or whatever it might be. And I think people miss the subtlety and the power of that experience. Any thoughts there? Yeah, well, one of the things I, I always said is we'll be successful if we look after the experience of the experience. So the ability to check in really easily, to find dates. But more to the point is because we deliver so many consumers to our supply partners, it's, um, we have power over quality. And we use tools to gather reviews uh, as well as net promoter score. And then we serve that back to our um, partners. And, you know, a few strikes and they're gone. So um, meaning that we're controlling 
or giving a transparency to each individual activity. And we're just not prepared to keep um, a supplier who's not doing a great job. And because they're all dependent on individuals on the day, like if you think about a masseuse, you can go to the same spa on two different days and have two completely different experiences. Well, it's our job to to maintain the quality, and we do that through systems and processes um, and transparency with with our su suppliers. So we are not there on the day, but I tell you, those consumers tell us pretty quickly if it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And then our job is to act on that on behalf of everybody so that we keep our brand reputation strong and intact. Uh, and, and it's not to say that we've always got it perfect. Uh, we, we haven't got it perfect. I know that. But it's, um, we, gosh, that intention is absolutely there and we do have the systems to make sure it's done. Yeah, and I think people overlook the power of that experience. I think many people get caught in the product uh, and they miss the subtleties behind uh, the power of just delivering a great, even if you go, you know, the ability to recover from a customer's bad experience can actually turn out to be the best thing for you on how you responded, right? And so if you're not able to give them a, a great, fantastic experience every time, it's also how did you recover uh, from potentially a not so great experience or, or how you responded. And so, you know, one of your other isms is when someone called in one time for your, you know, customer complaint uh, <laughs> department. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought that would be an interesting way to, 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 to round that out around why it's important to not only lead with the experience, but be able to uh, take uh, constructive criticism <laughs> yeah. in a way that will help your business. Yeah, well, when you're dealing with millions of consumers, it is really difficult to have it perfect every single time. And sometimes consumers are just unreasonable, like really, really unreasonable, and we don't necessarily know why. But this woman called and I answered the phone and she said, I'd like to speak to the complaints department. And I said, I'm not I'm wondering how big she thinks we are. And I said, um, we've never had a complaint before. And she's, she said, I, really? I can't believe that. And I said, no, no, we've had people who've called us and let us know how we can improve our service uh, to help us grow, but nobody's ever complained. And she said, oh, well, I'll make one of those contributions, thanks. Uh, and so it is about how we listen. But yes, even yesterday I was with my head of customer experience. He said, Naomi, I just don't know what to do with this customer. Nothing I can do. You know, they went off, did the experience and... And the supplier is saying that they absolutely did everything possible. They were grumpy from the day go, and now we've got it. And what do I do about it? And I said, the, the key is to ask the question, what will make this right for you? You know, they, they don't get the time back. They want, do they want their money back? Or do they want to go and do something else? And sometimes customers just need to be listened to. Um, and it's really important when we're looking at all of the customer experience, we're not just rushing to the negative because the 99.9% .9 who've had an incredible experience, we need to balance out what we get right, not just what we got wrong on the day. Uh, and, uh, and making sure that people feel, especially my team, that they're going home feeling like a winner. And one of those things is to celebrate the greatness that we achieved. And yes, some people get, you know, some people slip through the cracks. The other thing is that everything is completely transparent this century with social media. And, you know, people threaten, I'm going to put this all over the social media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And really what's going on in that conversation is that this person is feeling powerless 
and they're feeling not heard. So how can we shift it to be is how do you need to be heard? And, you know, sometimes they'll threaten consumer affairs, they'll threaten all sorts of things. But inside that, there is usually something else because I know the intention of what it is that we're up to. And what I do find is often when people do start, you know, whatever they're starting on social media, our other customers will come to our, our aid and say, actually, that was not my experience. I found them, but listen, they listen deeply to my concerns. Or, and it's wonderful when your other customers actually support you in that conversation. So the lone negative voice is actually not the majority. We don't let them be the majority. They can have a beef all they like. We honour them, respect them, but also we cannot please everybody all the time, no matter what our intention is. Well, with that said, I'd tell you that I couldn't agree more, right? I think that the greatest sales force for any company is customers advocating on your behalf and advocating on you, right? And telling that wonderful story and coming to your defense uh, in situations where, uh, you know, that may not be the, the experience that they had. Well, you know, I just, I, I just want to say that it has been an absolute pleasure. Time has flown by. We're actually out of time. And, and there's nobody I could have thought of that I would have wanted to have a customer experience podcast with than you. Uh, you live it. You breathe it. Your company is all about it, Red Balloon. Uh, so, you know, Naomi, thank you so much for your time. And for those of you on the podcast who want to learn more from her, please go to join.naomisimpson.com and sort of join the curious, like-minded movement. But anything you'd like to leave with our guests today? Oh, look, just it is a journey. Don't worry. You know, we spend too much time trying to be perfect. Some days I'm just completely muddling through and it's okay. You know, it's a new day. And so I, I feel a lot of worry sometimes. Uh, life doesn't have to be perfect. It's our pursuit of greatness that is interesting, not whether we are great. So, uh, you know, I, what a privilege, uh, Tiffany, to be on your first podcast. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And you and I, the, you know, the moment we met all those years ago, we just had this shared path, passion for both customer and employees. And, and it's wonderful to see both, you know, both of us on our journey and different sides of the planet, but absolutely aligned. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, there's, thank you. Really, the pleasure is all mine. Appreciate you joining the podcast and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Thank you guys. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>